Anybody in the room, just by a show of hands, you genuinely, like genuinely, you enjoy math? A few hands, a few hands, okay, yeah. Uh, those of you who do, those of you who do, here's my, my follow-up question. I've heard people who like math say, I like math because the numbers never lie. Anybody? Yeah, okay, a couple people, yeah, you get that, right? Like, they, they're, they're never going to, to deceive you or trick you, right? Because they're numbers, they, they don't lie to you. Some of you like math. I, I don't mind math, but I'm not, I'm not very good at math. I, I like it okay, but it's definitely not something I'm best skilled at. Uh, nine times out of ten, I'm going to pull out the calculator on my phone and do the math that way uh, because it's just easier. I'm not great at it, but I, I don't mind it. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about math, just a little bit. And don't worry, uh, for those of you who are like me and maybe you're not great at math, the only math we're going to be talking about is addition, right? You guys can do addition, right? We can do addition. Everybody, uh, sometimes, there we go. Most people understand addition, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, I've got another question for you before we really get into it. Now this one, I need you to be honest. I need you to be a little bit vulnerable, and uh, there are some teenagers in the room who might be offended by your answer, but they've got an answer too. So just, just go with it, okay? Just raise your hand if this is you. Raise your hand if you have ever been frustrated with the next generation. Yeah. In the first service, we had one of our leaders, Stephen, uh, Stephen Douglas. He was in here, and I asked that question, and he was like, Whew. like it w- he was the first hand up. It was the highest in the room. He was like loud and proud. Yeah, I, they frustrate me. Did you know that every generation has frustrations with the generation following them? The generation that came before you, maybe you'll remember, they had some frustrations with you as you were growing up, right? Maybe you heard and maybe you've even said things like, man, this next generation, they're so entitled. They think that that they can graduate from high school and then go make six figures immediately. They do. They they do. (laughs) Maybe you think they're lazy, They just want to stay home and play video games and they think they can make all this money streaming online. What's up with that? Right? We got people clapping. Oh, man. Every generation tends to think down on the next generation. Every generation does it. Here's what we so often miss. A key thing that I want you to recognize and understand today. And that's this. Every generation is simply a product of the generation before them. So you don't, if you don't like this generation, well, you made them. So <laughs> that's where we're at. And if maybe you're thinking, no, I didn't. I'm like two generations removed. Well, then you made the people who made the people who made them. Like every single generation, leading all the way back to Adam and Eve, Every single generation is simply a product of the previous generation. That's what we are. People often get upset at the next generation when they are the ones who created that generation. All right, I told you today we're going to do a little bit of math. Uh, the, The title of the sermon today is The Generation Equation. The generation equation. So uh, I have Neil here. He's in the room. Neil's going to come up here. Give it up for Neil. Neil's one of our students, and he's going to help me here. I'm going to give Neil uh, three simple math problems, math equations, and you guys are welcome to help him out. As I read them, he's going to write them down. They're, they are easier than you think. If you're waiting, like, where's the trick? Where's the catch? 
There isn't one. They are all this easy. You ready? Two plus two equals. Did somebody say seven? I feel like I heard somebody say seven. <laughs> listen closely. If you said seven, listen closely. Two plus two equals four. The next one, 10 plus 10. Was it, what does it equal? Audience? 20. Very good, very good. Okay. I'm sure Neil could do these on his own. This one is, is slightly trickier, but still very easy. 12 plus 18 equals 30. 30. Very good. Neil did a great job. Let's give it up for Neil. He, he understands addition. We're proud of him. Okay, so when it comes to math, right, you have two variables, right? So 12, 18, 10, and 10, 2, and 2, right? These are your variables. When you add them together, you get the product, which is 4, 20, or 30, right? Based on the individual variable. Now, there is no way with math, there is no way to change this product unless we were to change part of the equation, if we don't change the equation, then the product will not change. Does that make sense? So if we want to change the 4 to a 5, Neil, what do we have to do? We would need to change the 2 to a 3 because 2 plus 3 would then equal 5, right? If we wanted to do 10 plus 10 and get 21, it's impossible. But if we change the equation some and do 10 plus 11, then we can get 21, Let's jump it up two for 30. Let's go to 32. How would we do that, Neil? Oh, okay. 12 plus 20 equals 32. Let's give it up for Neil. Give it up for Neil. Good job, Neil. We've done some basic math here. You cannot change the product without adding to, without changing the equation. That's what we have to do. If we want the product to change, then one of the variables in the equation has to change. That's the only way it happens. Now the sermon is called the generation equation. These are equations with numbers. Here is the generation equation. The past generation plus the past generation's actions equals the current generation. The past generation plus the past generation's actions, the things that they did, resulted in what? the current generation. That's the way this works. And this will always be the sum of these two things. And the sum of these two things will always be this. So if we want there to be a change in the product, then we have to change one of the variables. We have to change one of the things that are being added together. Now you cannot change this. You can't change the past generation. You can't, what's in the past is in the past. You can't change which generation you were born in. Uh, whatever generation you were born in, like you're there, you are in it. You, there's nothing you can do. You can't change your age. Like that's what it is. You're in that generation. Here's what we can change. The past generation's actions. And when I say past, I mean everything beyond what is this next generation. Everything before what is this next generation. So what can we do as people, as there's an upcoming generation, most of our teens and young adults are Generation Z, right? And then coming up underneath of them is Generation Alpha. There's not really even a whole lot of data out there about Alpha because they're still pretty new. Uh, some of the oldest people in Generation Alpha, I think, are about 12 years old right now. And so they're still coming up into to teenage life, Right? They're coming. What can we do to help impact their life? 
to make them better followers of Jesus, to make them look more like Christ, to help them be better disciples? How can we disciple them well? What can we do to help the current generation? And hear me when I say this. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that the current generation is, is broken in need of fixing. I'm here to tell you we haven't done an adequate job of helping them excel when it comes to their relationship with God, when it comes to, to their following of Jesus. How can we do that better? How can we improve on that? Now, you're not going to find somewhere in the Bible this exact equation written out. You're not going to find past generation plus past generation actions equals current generation. But you will see this principle all throughout Scripture. I want to read to you some passages of Scripture that show this. Psalm 145, verse 4, says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. One generation, this happened today. One generation was declaring, was praising the works of God to another generation. Right, the, the teenagers who gave testimonies, that's what they were doing. The teenagers who were, who were leading in worship, that's what they're doing. They're one generation declaring to another generation the things that God has done. What are they doing? They're adding to the equation. Adding to the equation. Psalm 71, 18. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, anybody? Yeah, there we go. When I am, when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until... I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Adding to the equation. Psalm 102.18. This shall be written for the generation to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. Psalm 78.1-4. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which, you, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Proverbs chapter four, verse 10. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. He's teaching his own son. He's adding to the equation. Ephesians 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 4. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up, teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. This is our last one, and I believe to be our most compelling one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. What's that saying? It's saying add to the equation. In everything you do, teach your kids, add to the equation. Help the next generation. Add to the equation, add to the equation, add to the equation. Here's what the, mess, the rest of the, this message is going to look like. We're going to look at two examples, two examples, a negative example and a positive example from Scripture of, of people who added to or who did not add to the generational equation. And then we're going to look at a positive example. And then I'm going to give you six application points. Six things that you can walk out of here today knowing, okay, this is how I can add to the next generation. This is how I can make a difference in the generation coming up after me. This is what I can do. You guys ready? Okay, we're going to jump right in with 
the negative example. The negative example. I'm going to summarize a pretty large portion of Scripture here, so you're welcome to go back and read this if you'd like. There's a lot more detail in it that we don't have the time to go through today, uh, but we're going to look through the whole book of Joshua and the very beginning of Judges. Whole book of Joshua and the very beginning of Judges. So just some context here to what's happening. God sets aside a people, a nation for himself, known as the Israelites, right? Uh, the Israelites uh, go about life and they end up being enslaved in Egypt, and God brings up a man to free his people, right? Let my people go. This is the story of Moses. And so Moses goes in uh, through these 10 plagues. He gets the people released. And Moses freed the Israelites, but Moses didn't always obey God. So Moses was not going to be able to bring the people into the promised land. This land that God had promised to the Israelites. So Moses ends up passing away. And after Moses' death, a new person, a new leader comes on the scene whose name is Joshua. Joshua comes on the scene and he's going to be the one to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Joshua and the Israelites had many obstacles between them and the promised land. One of them being the Jordan River. There's this great river that they have to cross over in order to make it to the promised land. They go to it. They bring the Ark of the Covenant with them. They go to the river as God commanded them and they walk into the river with the Ark of the Covenant and the river stops. It's not as though the river just dried up. Like it stopped. Like an invisible wall was just dropped in the river and you can see the water like it's just a flat wall on either side of them. And the whole nation of Israel is able to pass through on dry, on dry ground. Right? This is an incredible miracle. Could you imagine if you were there and you see this happen? This is something that is absolutely supernatural, something that is unexplainable other than the fact that God did it. The people with the, the Ark of the Covenant, they went and they stood right there in the middle as the whole nation of Israel passed through on dry ground. It says this in Joshua chapter four. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over or all the people had passed over that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, take you 12 men out of the people out of every tribe a man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you will lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then you shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan. The waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever." So they were supposed to go through, pick up these stones. These 12 men were to pick up stones. And when they get to the other side, they're to, to build a memorial. Why? So that they can remember what God did. Not only so that they can remember, but so that they can teach their children. And for generation after generation to come, they can say, hey, what's this memorial for? And they can say, let me tell you what God did. Let me show you how he worked in your grandpa's life, in your great-grandpa's life, in your dad's life. Let me show you 
what God did. Joshua reiterates again in the same chapter. In verse 19, he says, And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal, or he constructed this monument in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. Look what God did. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you were passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. You see, this is more than just the Israelites remembering, that generation remembering. He wants to teach every generation to come. It's about passing down those truths to the next generation. It's about adding to the equation. They're changing the equation. The rest of the book of Joshua is full of stories and it leads us into the book of Judges. Right? You're welcome to read the book of Joshua on your own. We're not today for, for time's sake. It gets to Judges. In chapter 2, it says this. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. This is good, right? They were serving God. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their, father, unto their fathers. So as generations do, one generation passed away and a new generation was coming onto the scene. And it says this, listen here. And there arose a generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Isn't that sad? A generation arose that did not know the Lord. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. This equation does not naturally lean up and towards God. It naturally slopes downward away from God. Because that's what the culture is doing. That's what the culture has always been doing, is pulling away from God. Because we live in a sin-cursed world. That's what's happening. And so if we don't add to the equation, it's sloping downward and away from God. So what did they do? I couldn't point to exactly what they did, but I do know that they stopped adding to the equation. And that at some point, they just let the culture take over. That's why these people were now worshiping other gods. They weren't worshiping the one true God. Because somewhere down the line, they stopped adding to the equation. They stopped saying, look at what God has done. Look at how he's worked. Let me teach you what the Bible says. Somewhere along the line, they got comfortable. They stopped doing that. And then there arose a generation who knew not the Lord. They simply stopped adding to the equation. That's our negative example. Let me give you a positive example. Uh, Pastor Chris read a portion of this passage just last week. 
It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, this is Paul writing to his mentee, Timothy. So he's writing to him, and this is what it says. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in you by putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul recognizes something. He, he sees this. He calls out the fact that others have added to the equation of Timothy's life. He understands. He sees, hey, listen, because of your grandma Lois and because of your mom Eunice, you are the person you are today. Because they added to the equation, it changed you. It changed who you are. Because of the investment of the previous generation on Timothy's life, Timothy is going to serve the Lord with great faith. He'll go on to be a pastor and a passionate follower of Jesus. What did Lois and Eunice do exactly? They taught him the Bible. We know that much. But other than that, we don't really know. It doesn't say that they woke up every morning at 6 a.m. and had Bible study for three hours and then they served at 3 p.m. and then they did all this stuff. It doesn't say, it doesn't give us some formula. But what we do know is that Lois and Eunice, the past generation, chose to invest in the current generation and it changed who Timothy was. Why? Because they chose to add to the equation. They wanted to change it. They wanted to make it different for Timothy so that he could be a better follower of Jesus, a better disciple and disciple maker, a better one day pastor. Why? Because they, wanted, they were devoted to making a difference in his life. They were gonna add to the equation. Here's the, the question that I want to ask you that I hope is ringing in your mind for the rest of the day. Here's your question. How can I add to the equation? How can I add to the equation? And before we leave, I'm going to give you six things, starting right now, six things that you can do starting today. Six things that you can do to add to the equation. And before I, I get into these, I want, to, I want to clarify something here. I hope that, that if you're in here and you're in the room and maybe you don't have kids or grandkids, that you're not thinking like, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. This is for parents or grandparents. Not true. This is for every single person in this room. Every single person in this room should be adding to the generation equation. There are young people who don't have loving parents or loving grandparents in their life who need loving people to step into their life and make a difference. Some of those people are in this room and some of those people who can step in and make a difference are in this room. So this is for all of us. I, I told them in the first service, for the teenagers that are in this room, they need to be investing in the kids, the generation alpha that's coming up after them. They need to be invested in them. This is for everybody. So don't be thinking like, oh man, this would be so great for my brother to hear to help his kids. No, no, no. This is great for you to hear to help your brother's kids, to help the other kids, the other teenagers, the next generation that is involved in your life. These six things, these are six things that you can do and they're in this order on purpose. Number one is this intentionally pray for the next generation. 
intentionally pray for the next generation. I'm guilty of this myself. But how dare we, how dare we complain about the next generation without praying for the next generation? Man, if we're willing to complain about how terrible they are, you better take some time and pray for them. Pray for them. Be intentional about it. Be specific with the people that you pray for. Don't just say, hey, I just pray for the next generation that God will fix them. Like, that's not the solution. Pray for some people by name, some people that you know. Be intentional about who you're praying for. Intentionally pray for the next generation. Secondly, deeply invest in the next generation. Deeply invest in the next generation. More than just praying for them, spend time with them. Invest your time, your energy, your resources. It takes time to invest in the next generation. It takes energy to invest in the next generation. Man, if you don't believe me, just come with us to snow camp or summer camp sometime and it'll be the most tiring week of your life and you'll be like, wow, that took a lot of energy. It, it does. It's, it's the best, best spent energy ever, but it takes a lot. But it takes that investment. That's how we can add to the equation. Pray for them. Deeply invest in the next generation. At, at, in, a, in a moment, at the end of the service, you guys are gonna have an opportunity to give sacrificially towards summer camp. Uh, this, this service, every year at Teen Takeover, we always take the time to allow people to give towards uh, helping kids go to summer camp. It's expensive. It is a, an expensive thing to go to summer camp. And we're just asking that you would help people get there because there are certain people who just can't afford to go. Every single year, we've had people who couldn't afford to go, but they were able to go because somebody was able to help them get there. So you could do that. You can invest in the next generation. Number three, consistently be an example. Consistently be an example. Oh, I realized I just forgot to tell you something. That was really cool. Number two, I'm gonna go back to it real quick. Number two, like rewind. Number two, deeply investing in the next generation. Uh, our, some of our ladies in real life and in Catalyst had the opportunity with the Strong Sisters, which is our, our women's ministry here. They had the opportunity to do like a secret sister card exchange thing throughout the month of February. And a lot of them participated in it and they were just exchanging cards. And maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, that was just exchanging cards. I'm telling you right now, those of you who helped in that, you were adding to the equation. That's what you were doing. You are adding to the equation. You may not know the difference that it makes, but you're adding to the equation. You're making a difference in their life. Why? Because you're investing in them. You're investing in them. Okay, now to number three. Number three, consistently be an example. Consistently be an example. Um, I, don't, I don't know that there's like a, a real term for this, but I, I have one that I use. I think that, that Gen Z, our, our young adults and our teenagers right now, I think that they have what I call a hypocrisy radar. Like they can just sense hypocrisy and call it out and they know it and they know when you're fake and they don't appreciate it. They don't respect it. So I, that's why I'm saying consistently be an example. You all know that more is caught than is taught, right? You have to be an example. You have to lead in the way that you want them to follow. You have to, to set the example of what it means to be a Christian in 2024. You have to set the example of, of what it means when you're driving with them and somebody cuts you off. How do you react then? Or when you get bad service in a restaurant, or when you're really, really frustrated, or when you're going through a really hard time. What do you do? What example are you setting? 
You have to consistently be an example. Number four, unashamedly talk about what God has done in the past. Unashamedly talk about what God has done in the past. They set up those 12 stones as a memorial, right? And he said, when your kids walk by and say, hey, what's this random pile of rocks? Say, oh no, that's no random pile of rocks. Let me tell you what God did. What has God done in your life that was something incredible and miraculous? A time where he was so faithful. Those stories that you tell and they almost bring you to tears as you're thinking about them. Have you told the next generation those things? Unashamedly, share those stories. Talk about what God has done for you. Tell those things to the next generation and that's adding to the equation. Number five, passionately show them that following Jesus is worth giving their life to passionately show them that following Jesus is worth giving their life to. I'll tell you, Gen Z wants to give their life to something that they feel is making a difference, right? If you see all all of the stuff about the LGBTQ community, you know that it is like majority Gen Z. You know why? Because they feel like they're behind something, like they're making a difference and not in a good direction. What if we could give them something that is a great direction? Something that is absolutely worth giving your life to. Something that is world-changing, life-changing. Something that can change your life and the life of your family and the life of your friends. Something that's worth giving every part of your life to. Your time, your resources, your energy, your devotion. Give it to God. If you give those things to Jesus, to following him, it's a life worth living. The Bible talks about uh, the abundant life. Jesus says, I give an abundant life, a full life. We need to talk about that. Like we need to talk about the full life that God has given us and the opportunity that we have to teach others that they can experience that too, that they can enjoy this life, that it's something that's worth giving their entire life to. Passionately show them that following Jesus is worth giving their life to. Number six, Boldly teach the truth of the Bible every chance you get. Boldly teach the truth of the Bible every chance you get. Notice, I did not say meanly or rudely teach the Bible every chance you get. Boldly. Boldly teach the truth of the Bible every chance you get. There are some people who can be pretty mean with teaching the truth of the Bible. There's nothing that's going to turn people off towards it more than that. When you can kindly and in love but boldly teach the truth of the Bible. It's going to make a difference. It's adding to the equation. Teenagers, young adults, kids nowadays are getting fed so much information. You guys know this. They see it everywhere. They go to school, they're getting information. They turn on the TV, they're getting information. They look at their phone, they're getting information. Information overload from everywhere. So much of it is untrue. And I would say we have an obligation as Christians to help the next generation, to show them the truth of the Bible, something that's firm, something they can stand on, something they can trust, something they can rely on, something that that when times are hard, it still comes through. Something that uh, when culture may challenge it, that there's still truth that's found there. We need to boldly, boldly teach the truth of the Bible every chance we get. 
One of my, my personal goals whenever I, I go out with a teenager is to at some point in the conversation, sometimes it's easier than others, at some point in the conversation say these words. You know, the Bible says. And revert back to that. And again, sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes I'm just hanging out, getting to know them for the first time and they'll say something about life and I get the opportunity to say, you know, the Bible says. And what am I doing? I'm teaching them the truth of the Bible every chance I get. Every chance I get. How can I add to the generation equation? There's six things you can do. You can intentionally pray for the next generation. You can deeply invest in the next generation. You can consistently be an example. Unashamedly talk about what God has done in the past. Passionately show them that following Jesus is worth giving their entire life to and boldly teach the truth of the Bible every chance you get.